Hi, uh, this is Mike, and you are listening to. Sorry for the extra noise. Let me turn to American show. You're listening to Driving Theology, and uh, this is a special Saturday edition. I'm heading back from the river. I've been out uh, guiding a uh, raft rafting tour of a company. Heading back. It's raining a little bit now. Um, it's a fun morning. And I wanted to talk to you guys about the wheat and the tares, or the wheat and the weeds. Uh, you might remember it by a uh, parable uh, of Jesus. And I, I have to admit, I haven't read this recently, but I've read about it recently. So I'm going to try to to remember uh, how it goes. And uh, this will probably be a, a very short one, but it, it's. it's uh, short episode, but it's a good thought. I've been reading a book uh, that my friend Pat gave me, and I'm gonna I'm gonna forget it now. But basically, it's a book that kind of uh, examines and uh, sheds new light on the parables of Jesus, and uh, it's kind of a I suppose a, a fresh way of looking at the parables, fresh perspective, let's say. Uh, and so he, he goes deep with, with the parables of Jesus, and, and uh, I'm still pretty early into the book. I've been working on it a long time. I haven't really given it the time I should. But the other night, or the other morning, I should say, uh, I did read something that was just really, really cool um, that I wanted to talk over. And so the parable goes that uh, a man uh, was planting his field of wheat, and one of his enemies, uh, while the man wasn't looking, maybe even during the night, I can't remember, uh, spread weed seeds, what what are called also tares, I guess, uh, spread weeds in with the man's wheat. And so as the wheat starts growing, the weeds start growing with them. Uh, and the man's workers tell him about it and say, uh, should we go in and and tear out the weeds uh, and the farmer says no don't tear out the weeds because if you do you will tear out uh, the uh, good plants with the bad you will tear the roots up uh, so let them grow side by side and at harvest time we will separate them out um, and throw them into the fire or something like this um, and this guy's perspective on this parable was uh, really interesting. He said, first of all, this is not something that any farmer would do. Any farmer knows. Uh, and, and I think he says that Jesus's audience would have known that you can't do this. You need to, you need to get the weeds out of there because if you don't, uh, those weeds will produce seeds and those seeds, uh, will then give you the same problems the next year, right? And it becomes a, a self perpetuating problem. If you don't rid uh, yourself of the plants as soon as you can. Uh, and so Jesus uh, telling uh, or Jesus um, saying that the man said to leave them and then just with, at harvest time get rid of them is an unrealistic thing. It's not something that farmers would do. <coughs> and therefore uh, therefore there has to be uh, obvi- well there obviously is a spiritual meaning to the parables, otherwise it wouldn't be a parable, I suppose. Uh, there's something, there's some hidden meaning behind this. Uh, 
uh, there's something else that Jesus is getting at. Uh, now, if you remember correctly, um, Jesus, I think somewhere else says, don't resist an evil person. He says things like, don't return evil for evil, but return evil with, for good. Return evil with good. And he says, don't resist an evil person, right? Don't resist an evil person. And so he says that that's what this is referring to. And uh, that don't, don't try to fight evil or evil people. Don't try to uh, combat them. I suppose. Okay. And the the principle is that you know we need to let evil and good be sorted out in good time, but that's not necessarily our job to do now. Right? And there could be many reasons for this. One of them may be that we don't have enough perspective to know what is truly evil and what is truly good. Right? We, we don't have the perspective uh, that a, an omniscient God would have. And so that wouldn't be good that that's our job because we wouldn't know what to do, right? Uh, and then the other, the other you know, part of this is that had Jesus practiced resisting evil people, he never would have come so close to so many sinners in order to uh, teach them more about the kingdom of God and the coming kingdom. <coughs> Excuse me. And the uh, character of God. And so the wheat and the tares, I never looked at it quite this way before. Um, but it really says something completely different, uh, in my opinion now, than I originally thought it did. Originally, we consider it an es eschatological statement that the righteous and the un unrighteous will grow together, but at the end, uh, the righteous will be gathered into the barns and the unrighteous will be burned in fire. And we, we consider this an eschatological uh, end of times uh, destruction of, of evil people scenario. When actually it may be teaching a much more practical uh, lesson it may be much more applicable to our everyday lives uh, than that. It may not be an eschatological statement at all. You know, it may be about how we deal with evil now when we come up against it, right? Um, now, we know that God in the body of Jesus came near and came close to evil people, right? Or people that that were, you know, I guess we'd say compromised at best, you know. Um, <clears throat> prostitutes or um, all kinds of people, Pharisees. He didn't particularly seem to like what the Pharisees were doing, and yet he engaged them often, right? He talked to them. Uh, often in order to convince them of who he was and who who God truly is. 
Um, and so he he did not consider them unworthy of his attention. Um, just the opposite. You know, he spent a lot of time speaking with and trying to convince um, these people, Pharisees. Uh, and so a lot of people say, well, a lot of people, this book says that the parable of the wheat and the tares is this lesson. Resist not an evil person, right? Uh, which goes to what Jesus said, uh, um, if a man asks you for his your shirt, give him your cloak also. If someone asks you to go one mile, go with him too. If someone hits you on one cheek, turn the other cheek. Right? Don't resist an evil person. On the opposite, almost enable their evilness. Go along with it, in a sense. Allow them to take advantage of you. Because uh, in so doing, you will come near. And you will be, uh, as, as it says, heaping burning coals on their heads. Sorry, excuse me. I just ate a big old lunch. I'm a little bit sleepy. You will be bur uh, heaping burning coals on their heads, in a sense. Wh whatever that image means to you. Uh, but basically, it means you will be defeating your enemy with kindness. Right? You will be <clears throat> defeating evil with kindness. And the only way to do that is to accept people, uh, even those who seek to harm you or take advantage of you, right? Uh, and this is a lesson that is lost on evangelicals today. I'll just put that out there. Uh, <clears throat> the love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you uh, lessons are, are non-existent. They don't exist. Uh, that aspect of Jesus, the, the, the non-violent uh, protector of the weak, feeder of the hungry and the poor, uh, embracer of the outcast, that Jesus is shelved for a, an eschatologically violent, retributive version of Jesus. Um, which I would say is a Jesus that is largely uh, misinterpreted. That Jesus doesn't even exist, as far as I know. of us are a field 
And within each of us is sown both both holy and evil, both good and evil, both righteous and unrighteousness. Both are sown into us. Uh, and so that's another that's another way to look at this parable. Uh, and that Jesus' job at the end is to help us uh, sort it all out. That he will do the sorting uh, at the end. And in, in that sense, it is kind of a, maybe an eschatological. It may have that kind of a bent as well, though not, not on the uh, level that many people see it. Um, it may have a slightly different... Uh, interpretation um, in that case uh, but it could also mean that you know if we are the land itself if we are the soil and we have both weeds and wheat within us uh, by trying to violently get rid of the evil while the good part of us is still uh, immature right not ripe yet not ready for harvest <coughs> more damage may be done than good um, and I find I find that in myself you know the whole system uh, of sin and shame and guilt uh, that that grips uh a large group of Christians today. A lot of that is caused by this idea that unless we are perfect, unless we are uh, perfectly dealing with sin, not doing bad things, not having bad thoughts, uh, unless we are at that point, then we are not favored by God, that we are we are somehow under his judgment uh, because we have been unable to uh, rid ourselves of the sins in our life. Uh, and so a lot of people are engaged, uh, some violently, in trying to uh, get the sin out of, their, out of their own life. They try to do it by their own power, by themselves. And I think what the wheat and the tares says is that that's not your job. It's not your job. Just just try to be good soil. And when the time is right, the farmer will come along and clean you up. He will he will pull out the weeds for you, get rid of those, and then you will be uh, a clean field again. Right? It's a timing thing. There's a there's a harvest time. Excuse me, yeah, it's been a long morning. There's a harvest time, and if you try to do it too early, you may do more damage than good. And so, I can see where practically, if you know people are coming into our church uh, who are coming from the world's system uh, of of karma and eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth uh, and self-gratification instant gratification uh, and they come into a church and they start to learn about Jesus and yet 
there's all of this baggage uh, that hangs on with them. Maybe they uh, still like to drink, or maybe they have a gambling problem, or or maybe sexual things, or uh, you know any number of things that that you know the church would probably rather not not see or know about or allow. And so a lot of times what happens is before this person is accepted, uh, they are expected to be able to rid themselves of all this sin. Just just stop cold turkey what you've been doing and start doing, you know, start following Jesus. Uh, and you know this this is kind of crazy if you really think about it. I mean, if you really, really sit down and think about it, all of us are glad that we were not treated that way. Um, and usually we were not treated that way because we've been hiding our sins, right? Our sins are not something that we announce or share with our brothers and sisters in Christ, but are more, uh, more apt to try to suppress and hide from uh, other Christians. But because these people come in so uh, innocent, in a sense, and with so much hope, uh, and, you know, having having suffered a long time at the hands of their own vice, vices, uh, they come in ready to be accepted and forgiven, and yet, oftentimes, that's almost exactly what doesn't happen. Uh, oftentimes, it's, it's quite an opposite thing. Wow. Sorry, this rain is really coming down now. It's going to be a little loud. <coughs> well, I'll just keep talking. It's like the first one I've ever done in a real downpour, I think. Uh, so, uh, and then, and then those people are disillusioned. You know, they thought, well, I thought I was forgiven. I thought I'd be accepted. You know, I thought Jesus' grace now covers me, and yet what I'm getting from the Christians around me now, my new brothers and sisters in Christ, is that I need to try harder to please God. Uh, that because I still struggle with things, uh, I'm still, I'm not okay. I'm, I'm, I'm less than okay. I'm, I'm uh, insufficient, right? Even though I'm told His grace is sufficient for me, uh, the message I'm getting from other Christians is that, yeah, the grace hasn't done anything to you yet. You're going to have to do it yourself. You know, you need to stop this and stop that and do this and do that. And I think that's the case of tearing the tears out before the wheat has matured. Right? Again, this is a metaphor that uses farming, but it doesn't make sense in farming. It makes sense uh, in real life. And I think that twist, uh, that contradiction is what makes this so interesting to me. That's not something that would work in farming, and they understood farming. But that is something that works uh, in real life. So it's got kind of a twist to it. Very interesting parable. So, 
the other day I got so excited about this I was gonna come down and and uh, read some more and, and possibly write on it and I uh, got sidetracked with all the stuff I had to do for the day and didn't get to it so this is me kind of uh, recapping that uh, the week of tears and thanks Pat for that book I'm gonna keep working on it and uh, I'm gonna have to sh shut off here pretty soon I gotta do some shopping for dinner for my wife so you guys have a good day and uh, I hope you can look at some of the, the parables that you've known for so many years uh, with a new perspective uh, take them apart uh, find out who is who is interpreting these well uh, hold them up to what you think the character of God is as found in Jesus and see if you don't find new meaning that comes out of it, uh, fresh meaning. So you guys have a great day, and we'll uh, talk to you later. Stay dry. Bye-bye.